God is good. God is good. All the time. I think we're going to have a good time this morning. God is good. All the time. God is good. Hallelujah. Oh, boy. Um, it's warm in here. Don't worry about the presence of God moving amongst you. Just keep yourselves tuned in. Because God is here. The presence of God is here. And if you'll tune in this morning, you will encounter the tangible presence of God in this meeting. If it's your first time here, welcome. You are with the people of God. They love God with everything that they've got. And they want you to encounter God in a real way today. Um, Sorry, I just feel a little bit giggly. Um, I've had a good day. We've had a great week in, um, in Cardiff this last few weeks. Well, since I last came here, God keeps doing his thing. As uh, we go around Cardiff this last week, we were able to reach out to 30,000 people with the gospel. Um, just uh, 150 volunteers in one day. Um, so we're now waiting. We've done our bit. We put God on the line. We've said, look, God, we've... We've thrown it out there. The gospel's out there. We've put the seed. We've put the message of hope into the hands of 30,000 people. So now bring in the harvest. So um, I'm eagerly expecting phone calls this afternoon from the church back home. And I've been praying for them this morning um, as they handle the masses. Because they'll come. God is good. <laughs> All the time. All the time. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Oh, Lord, Father, I just ask right now that you just decrease me. Holy Spirit, just allow you to just live through me, speak through me, Father. Lord, let your presence rest in this place, Father. Let it become a tangible presence, Father. Let everybody encounter you this morning, Lord. Lord, I just submit myself right now before you, Father, and just say, do not let me or any of my words come through here. But Christ, you speak in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. What's his name? Jesus. What's his name? Jesus. He's your healer and provider. What's his name? Jesus. He's your restorer and your hope. What's his name? Jesus. He's your king and your friend. What's his name? Jesus. He's your savior and protector. Come on, church. You can make it loud this time. What's his name? Jesus. Come on. He removes all of your failures. And makes you a success. What's his name? Jesus. Jesus. Those are your testimonies. Those are your testimonies that you had this morning. But to proclaim the name of Jesus over all of those promises that he's done in those few testimonies. Is to proclaim the name of Jesus into all of your lives. Praise God. If you feel like shouting Jesus at any point this morning, I will not be um, holding you back. So long as you're not shouting his name in a swear word. Okay? But today I want to talk to you about living every day in the presence of God. Now, if you were here two weeks ago, or if you've been listening to the podcast, you'd think, um, hang on a minute, that's what you talked about the last time you came. And um, it was, that's what I talked about the last time I came. Um, But I'm not going to speak the same sermon, you'll be pleased to know. But you are going to encounter the presence of God this morning in the meeting. Um, If you've got one of those uh, notices, feel free to waft it around, it's warm in here. I want you to feel nice and cool. 
Um, and if you can just waft it a little bit towards me, that would be great as well. But the presence of God is here, okay? And you have got an opportunity to tune yourself in right now to the presence of God, to actually encounter God in a new way. And um, I want to help you this morning to live every day in the presence of God. I want to give you some practical stuff that you can be doing. I'm going to take you to the Word of God, and we're going to look at different aspects. And then we'll go into some deeper things um, as we go. But just tune in. We've heard it already this morning. The prophet brought the word. Tune in. Worship. Worshipping God is essential for living your life in the presence of God. You've got great musicians here. You've got great singers, great worship leaders. I love the setup that you've got. You've got one guy here singing and you've got other people scattered around. That's wonderful. And I... I, um, I'm asked questions when I go back to my home church about this church and what I, um, what I experience, what I find. And um, I have to say, I encounter the presence of God here. I wouldn't come back if God wasn't here. So that's a good thing. You're all okay. All right? <laughs> the presence of God is amongst you. The presence of God is with you. And, uh, and you get a good report wherever I go. Um, I'll just share with you a couple of things. So in Cardiff, we did the 30,000 people. Um, in York, this uh, last couple of... Uh, sorry, in Hull, this last couple of weeks, um, the church up there have been fasting and praying, and amazing things have been taking place. I was able to share it with some people yesterday, but there are at least seven people who are deaf that have been healed. There are people coming out of wheelchairs. There are people going out in the presence of God. The presence of God is manifesting heavily amongst the church, amongst the people there, as the church themselves are making their stride and making their... Um, uh, making their claim for Jesus by tuning themselves in to live every day in the presence of God. Supernatural breakthrough comes through prayer and fasting, but through worshipping and land, standing in the presence of God, you're going to see amazing things too. So I just thought I'd just share with you another story from another church somewhere else. So that's New Life Church in Hull. And um, if you have any time off and want to jump in your car and go up there and experience it, go for it. Let yourself out. Um, but worship... Worship. Singing songs is uh, an act of worship, uh, as we've done. Hearing and sharing the word is still an act of worship. Okay, so the, we haven't finished the worship time. We didn't just bring the offering, and that was an act of worship, and now we've stopped all of that, and now you're just going to listen to me go on for a little while while you all sweat there. This is still an act of worship as you listen to the word. And um, if you'll tune yourself into what God wants to say to you, you will experience a spiritual worship with him as we begin to talk. So reading your Bible is also an act of worship. Every day I sit down with my Bible and I read it. And I'm not religious about it. I just want to hear God's voice. So I sit down, I get my Bible and different issues, what have I got at the moment? New Living Translation at the moment. And um, I start from Genesis and I read it like a book from cover to cover. That's the only way I know how to read a book. And... Um, Every day I sit down and I read, and I read expecting to hear from God. I want to hear God's voice. So I'm saying, Lord, I want to hear what you want to tell me while I'm reading, this, uh, reading these scriptures. And I expect God to fill my office. And I expect God to fill my bedroom. And I expect God to fill my living room. Wherever I'm reading, I expect to encounter the presence of God. Because my natural senses need to feel something. You know, 
I'm spiritually alive. I know that I'm always in the presence of God, but I expect to hear from God while I'm reading the word. And in that environment, I expect to feel the tangible presence of God. As I'm reading the Bible, different words or phrases jump out to me. And um, uh, in my office, I've got a big whiteboard, and I, I put these words on the, on the whiteboard. And I think, well, that's, you know, I'll be reading through, and I think, oh, that's interesting. You know, uh, one of my words at the moment is billowing. And I thought, oh, that's an interesting word in the Bible, billowing. I wonder what that means. And I looked it up on Wikipedia. I thought, oh, billowing. Oh, that's an interesting word. And then God begins to show me through the Bible different things about billowing from beginning to end. And um, one of the words that he gave me was wilderness. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about wilderness today as well. Um, Because I want to train my ear to hear God's voice. So I read the word and I listen out and I think, oh, there's a word. Right, Father, is that you? I'll put it up on the board. I'm in your presence now. I understand that that's a word that you are going to bring and highlight to me as I go through these things. When I first started reading the Bible, I was in a church in Manchester, and um, I really didn't think that God could speak to me. I didn't think that God could, could use me. Um, I was just reading my Bible. I was just reading, uh, reading, reading through. And um, I must have got, I got to Isaiah, so I got through all the really boring books and got through to um, Isaiah, and I was reading. Suddenly this word jumped out at me, and I thought, I sat there, and it kind of hit me, and I thought, what's that word mean? And I began to meditate on it and just think about it, and suddenly I I began to see that that word that was in the Old Old Testament thousands of years ago suddenly applied to my church in Manchester, where I was, and I freaked out, and I thought, oh no, I think God just spoke to me. And um, so I wrote down everything that that I thought God was saying. Youth, listen to me. I wrote down everything that I thought God was telling me, all right? And I said... And then I put it on an email, and I sent it to Richard, my elder, the, the lead, one of the leaders of the church. And I said, Richard, can you read this? Because I think this is what God's trying to tell me as I'm reading the Bible. But I really don't know, because I'm a bit freaked out about it. Can you tell me if this is, this is what God is saying? And he looked at it, and he encouraged me, and he said, yeah, this is right, what God's telling you. And he was able to point me to other people in the church and other leadership in the church who were also hearing the same thing. So I want to encourage you. I encourage the whole church. Read your word. Read the Bible. Listen to what God tells you. And if you get excited about it and think, oh, this might be for the church, or if you're not too sure that it's, for, that it's God and you want to help, have somebody help you, take it to the leadership. Take it to the core team. That's what they're there for. They're not just for strategy. They're there to help you grow and hear the voice of God. And um, I just want to encourage you in that. Um, and who knows, you might have to share it in front of the whole church. Or it might just be a great little word um, that God wants to give and bless you with. But reading your Bible trains your ear to hear God's voice. When you know God's voice through the word, because that's his word, he spoke it. He spoke it all out. When, you've, when you hear his voice through the word, it means you're able to hear his voice wherever you go. It means that when you encounter somebody else who starts saying something that's very different, or there's a spiritual conversation going on that's coming across that's different from your father's voice, which you've learned and trained your ear with through the word, you know how to respond to that. But at the same time, you're able to hear God and see God in lots of different things, including Rihanna's music. Somebody asked me yesterday if it was okay to listen to Rihanna in the car and then still be spiritual. Well, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know her, her lyrics. Um, 
But Lady Gaga got me excited recently when she was saying that she was on the edge of glory. I thought, man, sister, I'm living in it. <laughs> I got excited. She can stay on the edge. No, no, Lord, please save her. Bring her into glory. Um, but this is what, in, in 1 Kings 9, 11 to 12, God tells her, are you ready, brother? Are you there? It's coming up on the screen. In 1 Kings 9, verse 11 to 12, God tells Elijah to go outside and, and stand on this mountain where he was. And uh, God said he was going to go and he was gonna, he was going to, Elijah was going to go and stand in the very presence of God. And some really dramatic things happened while he was standing there on that mountainside. Uh, it says um, in 1 Kings 19, verse 11 to 12, The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore, through the, mount- tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. All of this dramatic, amazing stuff. I mean, what would you be like? You stood on a mountainside and suddenly the mountains begin exploding around you and the rocks begin to get smashed up and then there's earthquake and there's hurricanes and there's all these things going on, fire shooting out of the ground and you think, you know? How many times do we want God to dramatically alter our day in a radical way? Oh Lord, please, just... Let me be able to hear your voice in this big loud boom or something, you know, a big, you know, a big voice from heaven or Lord shake the earth in my, in my office so that I know that you're listening to me. And sometimes we want the baptism in the Holy Spirit to be this amazing earth shattering fire from heaven shaking moment. We make these big praise and rejoices noises. Lord, please set us on fire. Man, you don't want to be set physically on fire by God. Okay. But we want this, we look for, and we want this dramatic stuff to happen to us. But as we read on in 1 Kings 19, verse 12, it says, And after the fire came a gentle whisper. The Amplified Version says, After the fire came a sound of gentle stillness and a still, a still small voice. When you read your Bible, when you sit in church, Uh, listening to the preacher or listening to somebody else, when you're alone with God, set your heart. Okay, this is what we're asking you to do. Set your ego. Set your meanness to listen to God. Set yourself to listen to a sound of gentle stillness. Then, if God decides to talk to you in a big, loud noise, noise, you're not going to miss it. Yeah. Lord, I want to hear you right now. I'm going to switch me off and my wants and myself and my expectation of a big loud noise and a big booming voice, Father. I just want to hear you. So I'm going to listen, even if you're just going to whisper to me. I'm going to set myself on you, Father, because I want to live in your presence. And I want to know your voice. And you can do that right now. We need to have praise. And we do need to have thanksgiving. We need to have the earthquakes and we need to have the fire in order for us to get to a place of worship. Okay? Once you're in a place of worship with God, you're in the holiness, the holiness, the holiest place with God when you are worshipping him. And when you're in the holy, holy, holy place with God, you are right in the presence of God. I think if you were to read on a little bit more in that story, when the presence of God um, 
finally comes when Elijah hears that whisper. He covers his face immediately. And when you look at pictures of heaven, you see angels with their faces covered who stand all the time in the presence of, presence of God's glory. And all they can say is, holy, holy, holy. I'm not saying you have to cover your face. But I know that when I sometimes I then open my eyes. Tune in to God. Are we tuning in? Are you tuning in? You can sit with your eyes closed if you like, that's fine. But tune in, listen to his voice. If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, tune in to what God wants for your life. Um, I talk about my experience of my bedroom and um, the encounter that I had with God and baptism, a full baptism in the Holy Spirit. And it was in that space of saying, God, I just want to hear you, that God really broke in, in a real and powerful way with me. But I had to um, listen really hard for his voice. I had to switch off or disengage my mind. I had to um, change my want and my will and just find rest and stillness. And then God spoke. You've always got control, okay? So when you go to that place and you're looking to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're looking to have a real encounter with God, you have always got control. You don't lose your mind. God's not going to kind of make you into a robot or a zombie or anything else. But if you ask and then wait in the presence, his presence, listening for his voice, he will meet you in a powerful way. I think when Elijah heard that whisper, that was more powerful than any of the earthquakes or the fire or anything else before. I bet it rocked his world. Um, To live every day in the presence of God... You need to be worshippers of God. You need your lives every day, every minute, to be an expressive worshipper to God. Church, watch what you write on Twitter. Watch what you write on Facebook. Be careful with the words that you use when you're talking to each other. Because sometimes those words don't show that you have God's favour. Some of the comments that you make don't show that you have God's favour. Or it doesn't show that the God's favour is upon this church. Um, it's self-focused, me-focused, my, my thoughts, my feelings, my attitudes. And it doesn't show that you're a worshipper of God. Worshippers of God, worshipper of God, have themselves tuned into the voice of God. Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer. Okay? I think if Jesus, well, if he is around today, he is around today. But what I meant, mean is, um, when he was walking around down here, he could have been the busiest guy in the world, right? Um, If it was today and he was here, he'd probably be in conference after conference, meeting after meeting, 12 meetings a day, you know. He would have been with people all the time or could have been with people all of the time. He would have been the busiest person in the world, surrounded constantly with people. But the Bible is clear that he made sacrifices and sacrifices of his time so that he could be alone in the presence of God. One of the most valuable commodities you have, well, you don't even own it, but God has given to you, is time. And we've got to be good stewards of our time um, because time's all we've got in reality. One of the men I worked with was invited to a conference two weeks ago, a Christian conference to speak, and he said, what would you like me to come and talk on? And they said, we would like you to um, talk on the topic of how do you fit God... How do you fit God into our timetable? 
These were, this was a conference of Christian leaders. And they wanted to know, in the busyness of life, how, you know, how do we fit God into this busyness of life? Um, that's one of the most selfish, me-focused topics that I've heard of. And when he told me that that was what he had been asked to speak on, my jaw hit the ground. I was like, you're not, are you? And uh, my friend, being who he is, said, of course not. But they don't know that yet. <laughs> and he changed it to, how do you fit into God's timetable? And, um, uh, and he went and, uh, and preached that. And um, I don't know if they'll invite him back, but who knows. But, but if your day, if your schedule, if your needs, if your wants mean that you struggle to fit God into your timetable then you've got to stop feeling self-focused, me-centric, and die. Okay? Lots of me's, my's, eyes. Jesus sacrificed his schedule. He sacrificed his time to spend it with the creator of time. And in doing so, he accomplished absolutely everything. Did Jesus run out of time on anything? Somebody say yes. Did he run out of time on anything? If you're going to live your life every day in the presence of God, you need to die to yourself, okay, and let God become the center of your time, okay? God is the center of your time. We're all very, very busy people, but it's not my will that needs to be done, but it's his will that needs to be done through me and through you on earth as it is in heaven. And to live every day in the presence of God, you have to sacrifice yourself, and that means sacrificing your time. Rather than wandering around in this wilderness of life, you know, kind of, whoa, when am I, how am I going to fit God into this timetable? Or where are we going here? And what, you know, what is, the, what, is the, what is the plan for us? You need to focus on God. You need to listen to God and do what he tells you to do. And I'll tell you what, if you just do that, you're going to accomplish everything else that needs to be accomplished in your day. And you know what? You'll accomplish everything that needs to be done in the day from a place of rest, from a place of peace. I know that if I give my time to the Lord, that I've got lots of other things that need to be done, but if I give my time to the Lord first, then everything else is a, is a breeze. I'm operating my life from a place of rest. Um, and we all want that, don't we? We'd all like to finish the day in a place of rest, not exhausted and run out. So give the Lord time. Give God back. You know, there's a tithe. I said this to some people yesterday. 24 hours in a day, 2.4 hours a day, you can give to the Lord. <gasps> How do I fit that in? Well, it's two episodes of America's Next Top Model, and it's one episode of EastEnders <laughs> that you have to sacrifice. Yeah? And you can spend time reading the Bible, praying, sitting in relaxed pleasure in the presence of God, and he will honor you with that sacrifice. He will honor you with that and just pour, pour life, pour rest, pour peace, and you'll accomplish everything that needs to be accomplished. He will honor you in that, and you'll be living every day in the presence of God. But I'm going to talk to you a little bit now about a bunch of people who spent a lot, a lot of time, wasting time, um, who were self-focused, me-focused people, rather than God-focused, and then we'll talk a bit about Jesus, okay? Uh, but first I want to talk to you about these, these people who were selfish, and they wasted their time, all right? Do you want to shout Jesus again? Yeah. One, two, three. Jesus. Jesus. Okay, wave your hands at me. A bit faster. A bit faster. 
That's it. The air's beginning to circulate again. I can see your faces reviving. That's where we need to be. All right, okay. Feel free to waft around. It is a warm day, and we're going to shoot through, okay? Okay. In the book of Exodus, we read about God rescuing Israel, okay, from, the, from Egypt. And they get to this area called the Red Sea, and they get stuck. And um, you familiar with the story? Yeah, you've, you've heard about Israel? Okay. Um, anyway, the, by the time the people got to the water's edge, there was no way that they could get across. Okay, the water was right in front of them, and the Egyptians who were behind them were chasing them, and they were going to capture them, they were going to put them back into slavery, they were gonna, even going to kill them. And the only hope that these Israelites had was God. Okay, if there's a moment when you need God, it's kind of that moment where it's death one way or it's death the other way, you're, you're just stuck, Okay. And this is what God does. He, he turns up and he separates the water so that Israel can get across. He just, well, he's God. He can do what he wants. He can do it. I don't know how he does it. One day I'll see it. But he parted the water so that Israel could get across. And then God closed the water over their enemies. He wiped them all out. And um, that was a pretty cool thing. So Israel had been rescued from their enemies. All right? And they, they say that that crossing of the water is a type of baptism. Okay, and the same happens for you, that when you're baptized, you go down under the water, and that enemy, that old enemy, that old life that's chasing after you stays under the water, and you come back into life, and you are there with God as your only source, as your only provider. He has rescued you. Um, yep, amen. And um, So Israel are on the other side of the river. They've only got Moses, who's the man that's going to be leading them. And uh, they've got God, who's their only source and only provider. They've got no enemy behind them. And they find themselves in this place of wilderness. And um, uh, we're, it's the same for us. When we've been through baptism, we've now got Jesus, who is our guide. And God is our only source. But we also find ourselves in this place of, you know, wilderness. It's not a bad place to be when you've got God leading you. You want to get through it as quick as you can. Um, But you know something, in the story of Israel, they soon start moaning and grumbling and showing a self-centered, selfish life. Selfish, self-centered attitude. God, their eyes were fixed on God. He parts the water. He does an amazing thing. They pass, up, pass over to the other side. They're stood there. They've only got God as their source. He's there. He's like, I'm going to take you to a promised land. I'm going to take you to a place that's flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to give you everything that you need. They've got their eyes on the Lord. They're thinking, yes, wonderful. You know, we just need to keep our eyes on you. And then they suddenly start looking at themselves again. What about my water? What about my food? What about my life? I'm sure it was more comfortable back in Egypt. What about my comforts? What about my feelings? They began to live their life constantly looking at themselves. But God is gracious. And he always supplied what they needed. Okay, so he was like, they were like, we need water. Oh, and they're looking around in the natural looking. Where's the water? There's no water anywhere. And God's like, look at me, I'm your source. Oh, but we need water and there's nothing around. We're all going to die. And he goes, well, you need water. I'll, here's a rock. There you go, there's some water. And well, we need food. We need food. There's no food around. We need food. Oh, our tummies are aching tummies. And God's like, well, look to me for your source. Oh, but you don't understand. We need meat. We need this. We need that. Okay, well, I'll make food appear from thin air. They just didn't get it, stupid, stupid people, silly people. Every time I read those stories, man, 
I'm always thinking, why on earth did they not? What are they like, these people? You know, God's there doing these amazing things, right in the middle of them, right in front of them, and yet they keep on moaning and moaning and moaning. Moaning. Look to God for everything that you have. Look to God for everything that you already have and give him thanks for everything that you have and everything that you will receive. Yeah? Regardless of the effort that you put into it, give God thanks for it because he needs to be your only source. He needs to be, seen, needs to be known in your life as your only source and provider. And in all things, like the testimonies that we've begun to hear already today, he is your provider and he will deliver you. He will give you the things that you need if you will look to him as your source only. And if the, if the people of Israel only looked to God, and if they um, would only have been worshippers of God, um, they needn't have needed anything anymore. It was only an eight-week trek, yeah? an eight-week trip across this bit of desert land, and they were going to go in to this promised land. And um, God was preparing them as they went through this desert area. Um, but these people were dead people. They were chased people. They were slaves. Um, and they were about to be given absolutely everything that they ever needed, but they didn't go into promise. God took them to the edge of this promised land, and they were like, he's like, there you go, you can have it. And they were like, well, let's just send some spies in first, you know, just to check out, see if you, what you're talking about is the real deal. And they went in, these spies went in and had a look around the land that God was giving them, this land that was given to them for free, this land that was theirs forever, and this land that God was going to actually live every day in their presence amongst them. Um, and the spies came back, and they brought a very me-focused um, report back. I don't think we can do it, boys. We went in there, yeah, some giants in there. Well, I don't think we've got the capabilities to be able to beat those giant people. Um, yeah, the land's very, very nice, but actually, you know, we're not quite, we can't do it. Me, my, I. There was one who brought a report back that was God-focused. He said that if God's given it to us, then it's ours. That's the way you've got to live. If God has given it to you, then it's yours. But these people, they were me-focused. They were too self-focused. And you know what God said? Fine. Because it's all about you, and you don't trust me, because you're trying to fit me into your timetable, into your wants, and into your desires, rather than living with me as your source, your time will be spent in the wilderness, and you won't go into promise. A whole generation of me-thinking self-focused, self-serving people of God never came into God's full promise. That's awful, isn't it? They were saved from their enemies. They had everything that they needed, but they never lived every day in the presence of God themselves. But once that generation died, yeah, wandering around for 40 years in a desert, um, wandering around in that wilderness, um, once that generation had died, that me-focused generation, the new generation, the generation that was left, um, were a generation that had been brought up only focusing on God for, as their source. And they were ready to move into that land of promise. And guess what? God took them into a land of promise and gave them all that they needed. And you can read more about that um, as you read on in your Bibles. But fast forward with me to a time of John the Baptist. Okay? We find John in the very beginning, John the Baptist. Um, he's in the wilderness as well. Um, and he's in the wilderness by a river. And people are coming to him to be baptized for their sin. Ooh, similar story. Israel passed through the water 
and they were saved from their past. And the same thing was happening with John the Baptist. He was baptizing them to cleanse them of their past. And when they came out of the water, they had to live according to the law that God had laid down for them, um, which meant that they had to be completely dependent on God. The law only highlights yourself. Yeah? You can't, it says, try and keep this, you can't. Now depend on God. Yeah? So these people were stuck there, and they were living in the wilderness, but they were being baptized. In Luke chapter 3, John is teaching the people to live a selfless life. He tells them not to live a me-focused, not to live with a me-focus, but to give their lives um, as God intended, intended, to live their lives as God intended, and that meant living with him as their only source. John even rebuked, rebuked those who looked at their blood relatives. You know, they said, oh, we're from Abraham. We're okay. We're saved. We're, we're, we're all right, mate. And um, he rebuked them and told them that God is the only one who can give them their salvation. Uh, but these people went away into the wilderness, wandering around. And then Jesus comes to be baptized. Now, Jesus is very different from everybody else. Would you agree? Yeah? You've seen the photos of him? Brown hair, blue eyes? Yeah. Uh, where am I? Jesus had no sin. He was the only person ever born in the whole of humanity without sin. Okay? Just answer another question for somebody again. Uh, Jesus was born without sin. But he still went through the waters of baptism. Everybody else is getting baptized to be cleansed from their sin, to be taken from their enemies. But Jesus got baptized to fulfill all righteousness. And it tells us that when we're to be baptized, not only do we cut off ourselves from our old life, but we are moved into righteousness with God. And if you haven't been baptized fully underwater, you know, there's lots of different scriptures that you can go to in the Bible, but all I want to do is look at Jesus. And I think, okay, Jesus, you went fully under the water. I'm going to go fully under the water. That, to me, is baptism. So if you haven't had a Jesus baptism, you need to get baptized. All right? Sprinkling don't count. Just put that out there. I'm just looking. Your eyes are still in the... You're not raising your eyebrows at me. Good. Okay. Um. He didn't have to go in the water. He didn't have to get baptized. Yeah? If he was me-focused... He would go, I've got no sin. Why do I need to go in the water? But he didn't. He went into the water because he was fulfilling righteousness. He was listening to his father. He wasn't me-focused and selfish. Um, Jesus isn't a me-focused individual. Okay. John even declared him as the Lamb of God. What is a lamb? Have you ever seen a lamb with big sharp fangs and, I'm going to kill you, it's me, me, me. No, lambs are little, little lambs. Yeah, everybody loves a lamb. They're defenseless little things. Um, they can't be selfish or me-focused. They're just good for eating. <laughs> but then we read about Jesus going into the wilderness. Hang on, I've just missed a bit. Okay. So Jesus gets baptized. This selfless, selfless person gets baptized. He comes out of the water, and God sends the Holy Spirit on him and anoints him, baptizes him in the Holy Spirit, and he's ready for ministry. And um, Jesus then goes off into the wilderness, and while he's there, he's tempted with me-focused, self-centered 
temptations. I'm going to read some of them to you. It says this in Luke 4, says verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert, into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end, he was hungry. Okay? Now, hunger is a very selfish thing, isn't it? You know, I can't be hungry for you. You can't be hungry for me. We can't be hungry for each other. You know, we couldn't, we'd be hungry for ourselves. You know, I'm hungry. I need my food in me. And um, Jesus was very hungry when the devil was tempting him. The devil came at a point when Jesus was hungry, when Jesus' hunger was, would have been, I, can, I need to eat now. You know, I need to feed myself. It needs to be about me right now. I need to survive. And it says this, verse 3, The devil said to him, If you're the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus is hungry. Me for me. He, has this, he has a me feeling going on. I need to eat this bread. The Jesus comes, turn, uh, devil comes and says, turn, this, turn these stones into bread. But Jesus doesn't respond with a me-focused, self-centered, ooh, that'd be nice, maybe with some butter as well and some, some lettuce and tomato in the middle. He responds with the word of God and says, man does not live like bre- by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him, in an instant, all the kingdoms of the world. And, and he said to him, I will give you all authority and splendor for it has to be given, but for it has been given to me, and I give it to anyone I want. So if you worship me, it will be yours. Jesus saw everything. If he was a me-focused, self-centered person, wow, like all of this, yeah, it'd be tempting. He's hungry, but Jesus didn't answer like that. He answered again with the word of his Father: "Worship the Lord your God and serve only Him." Then the devil led him to Jerusalem. And he had him stand on the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it's written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered, not with a self-centered, me-focused, just a selfless answer. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all of his tempting, He left him until an opportune time. All of Jesus' responses, all of Jesus' actions um, pointed to God as his source, God as his father. Jesus passed through the wilderness as an example for all of us, for the whole of humanity, that we can live in selfless unity with God. Jesus selflessly pointed to God in everything that he did, and all the way through scriptures he did it. And he gave all of his time back to the creator of time so that he could accomplish everything that he needed to do. Every single Christian has a wilderness experience. Okay? We get baptized and that's great. And we have these, woo, wonderful time. You know, I'm, I'm saved. Yeah, I got saved. And it's all good. And we're going to, going to all the meetings and everyone's our friend. And welcome to the kingdom, brother. Keep welcome to the kingdom, brother. We all go through those delivering that, that, that stage of being released from our enemy. But soon we start to think, hmm. How am I going to do this life now? Um, what should I start doing in order to get God to work in my life? We try to change our lives and fail. We try and start you know, doing things that God, we think God would want us to do. Um, and God try, we try to fit God into our timetable. We start living by laws. Sometimes people even look at the, at the law and start trying to live by the Ten Commandments. 
Some people wear WWJD wristbands. They go through life bound by this little wristband that says, what would Jesus do? So that in every circumstance that they're in, they think, oh, what would Jesus do? I've got to make the right choice. Or, what? Oh, no, I've made a wrong choice. Sorry. Made a wrong choice. Sorry. We externalize God. Oh, Lord, where are you? What do you want me to do today? Okay, I'll go to work then. And, uh, yeah, I'll be back about six. But if you want to tell me anything, that's all right. But I can't see you after seven because I'm going out to the shops with my friend. Oh, Lord, where are you? I'm feeling sick today. Please make me better because I've got to go to a birthday party. We wait for these external answers from God because we don't really kind of, we haven't kind of, we're still a bit me-focused, a bit me-selfish. Um, maybe you're wondering in a wilderness today. Maybe you're concerned about your problems, my problems, my life. Maybe it's my successes or my needs and my desires. Oh, Lord, how are you going to do all of this for me? Let me help you. Stop. Yeah? Do you want to live every day in the presence of God? Do you want to live every day in the presence of God? You do? Luke 22 says this about Jesus in the garden just before he was arrested. He says, he walked away, about a stone's throw away, and prayed, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup away from me. Yeah, I want your will to be done, not mine. That's when Jesus died. Yeah. Of course, he was arrested and he was put on a cross. But there was no more me in him at that point. It was, Father, if, it, if, if it's possible, please take it away. But I want to do what you want me to do, not what I want. And he died then. Luke 23, verse 44 says, The light of the sun had totally gone and suddenly... The curtain in the sanctuary was torn top to bottom and Jesus said, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And then in Luke 24, 46, Jesus said after his resurrection, there is forgiveness of sin for those who repent. You are witnesses of this and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. Stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power. The same Spirit who came down from heaven and joined with Christ, yeah, is to come and live through you. The Spirit of Christ is to live through you. The presence of God does not begin with an external experience. Okay? If you're encountering, encountering the tangible presence of God in this room today, it's not because of God being external. It's because of God overflowing and moving through the people of God that is enabling you to feel a tangible experience of God. Yeah? Where am I? London. Okay. The presence of God begins in here. It's an internal experience. It's a spiritual birth. But you need to be willing 
you need to be willing to entrust your spirit to the Lord. Father, I entrust my spirit to you. You need to die to yourself and then let him come alive and live through you. Christ lives through me in the community. You can't live your life like Christ. Okay, youth, you can't live your life like Christ. Yeah, you can't, you'll fail if you try and live like Jesus. Yeah, but Christ can live through you. Yeah? Whew, there's a burden off all of a sudden. Oh, so I don't have to try and be like him? No, he has come to live in and through you. So let him live your life for you. Yeah? Is that okay? That's easy, that's a burden off. Okay. And adults, that goes for you too. All right, but I just wanted to let these guys know that there's no pressure to live for Jesus, but Jesus wants to live through you. Okay, but first you've got to die. Okay, and that's by saying, Lord, I don't want to be like me anymore. I want to live for you. And if you let me live, if you let me live for you, then please you come and live through me so that I can be the best person that you want me to be in the world. Okay? And then you'll be moving in power and authority and every day God will fill you with his presence. All right? <gasps> that's the key. That's the key. John 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled, but trust in God, but trust also in me. That's what Jesus says. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. There's a place for you in heaven. All of you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and I'll take you with me. That you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said, Lord, come on, be real, we don't know where you're going. Um, So how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do not know him. You do know him, and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and then that'll be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say, the words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask for in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, you will obey what I've commanded, and I will ask the Father, who will give you another counsellor, to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world can't accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, and he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will, give you, I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore But you will see me, because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I 
am in my Father. You are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by the Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not the uh, Judas Iscariot said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him every day in the presence of God. Tim Jones translation. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give... I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Living every day in the presence of God means being seated with Christ every day in glory while he lives through you in manifest sonship. Every day in the rest, every day in rest in the heavenlies. You can learn more about this when you read the book of Romans. You can read more about this when you leave Philippians as you read in your word as you get in there. But the question I have, or the question there is this morning for you is, do you want to live every, present, every day in the presence of God? If your answer is there, yes, and you've already accepted Jesus, live your life, and you've been baptized, live your life giving him your full focus and full attention Live a life of worship to God in everything that you do. Enjoy your praise, enjoy the thanksgiving, but live your life in a place of worship to God. Let everything that I do be of worship to you, Father. And God promises that he will take care of you. He promises that he will never let you down. He promises that he will never leave you, that he will take care of you. But just let everything be an act of worship. If you've not received the baptism in the Holy Spirit... Just consider for a moment, are you still doing church? Are you ready to come out of the wilderness of me? Are you ready to say, Father, accept my spirit so that he can come and live his life through you? If that's you, and we're going to sing a song in just a moment, we're going to stand up, we're going to sing a song. If you're ready to give your life, your spirit to the hands of the Father and allow his spirit to come and live through you, I want you to come to the front. I'm going to lay hands on you and you're going to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. If you're your first time here this morning and you've just kind of heard stuff that you've never heard before and you thought going to church was all about religion and just turning up and sitting in a, in a chair, but actually it means having the be- living the best life that you've ever had, living a life that is a life of rest in the presence of God, and you would like to make a decision for Christ there, I want to, give you, I want to ask you to be brave. Okay? No eyes are going to be looking at you. Nobody's going to be thinking, who's that person? But you come to the front as well, and I'll pray with you and lead you into a relationship with Jesus. But we've got a song to sing, a song that leads the church into worship. It'll lead us into a place of worship. We'll be giving God all of our best. And if you're a believer this morning, for the next 15 minutes or 10 minutes or however long God wants to hold us for, 
Just give him your absolute best. Lay everything down before him and allow him to manifest his sonship through you. I want to thank you for listening. It's been a hot day. Are you ready to give God your best? What's his name? Jesus. What's his name? Jesus. Jesus. Okay, wonderful. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is the presence of God is here right now. If you are ready to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you can receive it right now in this room with these people. And don't worry about anything freaky. Okay, just tune yourself into God. And God will do everything that, he, that needs to be done. Okay, you ready? Super. For thou, O Lord, art high above all the earth. Thou art exalted far above all gods. For thou, O
Okay, just as uh, Tim's praying with those people who are wanting to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and who are wanting to meet with Jesus for, for the first time, um, God's got other stuff as well. Just sense that uh, God's here to heal people this morning. Um, there's, uh, there's something that he's got for people in healing, so... I'm going to invite the uh, ministry team to come out and meet on this side of the hall, on the left-hand side, as I'm looking at you guys. So if there's other things that you want us to stand with you in and just seek God for, then just come out now. Uh, I'm particularly encouraging those who are looking for healing. So that's to my left. And if the, uh, the ministry team could join us there, please. And uh, I'll just ask Dave to, to continue playing just for a few more moments. We're, we're not done yet. We're not done yet. But if you, if you need to go, then feel free to, to leave. But if you're staying, please let's just keep focused on him at the moment.
Yeah. 
Uh, just to remind those of you who've booked the lunchtime session with Tim, that's at Castle Point. I would think we'd kind of be looking to kick off maybe about half past one if you want to make sure you get yourselves there for that time. 